Can I hear an amen for the opportunity we have this morning to worship the Creator in this way? To worship. Amen? amen. Before we begin, let's just begin this part of our worship with a word of prayer. Dear God, I pray that you will bless this time, make it special, make it exactly what you want it to be. You've got a message you want to share. And I pray that you'll bless me with the ability to share it clearly. And bless everyone here with the ability to receive the part of it they need this morning. Be in it, through it, and let it be proclaimed in your name and in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, <clears throat> this message is a lot like some of my others similar to it. It's going to be an overview. It's not going to be drilled down and very specific, a little bit. But in this stage of my life, I've, I've got a burden in which I want to share some of the things that I have learned and that have helped me. I don't know how much more time I've got, so I want to share those principles. <clears throat> in this message, there's two things, two principles, and I won't tell you, but you'll figure them out as we go along, that I have kind of whiffed on a significant part of my life. <clears throat> Do you know what that word whiff means? It's a technical term. I don't even know if it's in the dictionary. But the best way for me to explain it, and it's a, a good application for my spiritual walk, and it just came to me this morning. It's not even in my notes. Whenever I learn to play golf, and I play golf badly, I was learning... You learn to address the ball. You learn to groove your swing. And whenever I was first learning, I played baseball, and that ball's moving. That ball is sitting on the ground. I knew I could play golf and I, because that ball's just sitting there, okay? This game's going to be easy. It's not moving. Nobody's throwing me a curve or a fastball. It's not going to hit 90 miles an hour. It's just sitting there. It's going to be easy. And those of you all play golf know what I'm talking about. So I'm hitting here, and I'm addressing the ball, and I'm rear back, and I swing, and I do what? It, whiff! The ball's still sitting there, and it doesn't go anywhere. I miss the ball. And whenever that happens, you hope nobody's watching, but in golf, somebody's always watching, right? That's a whiff. You miss the ball, it doesn't go anywhere, it's still sitting there, and you're just not getting anywhere. There's two principles in this message that I whiffed on a significant part of my, my life. And I missed it. And I didn't move spiritually because I didn't have the focus I needed. I missed it. So as we get into this, the, mess, the, name of the, the title of the message is The Beginning, The Ending, and The Middle. So we're going to read some scripture in the very beginning, in Genesis. We're going to flip over and read some scripture in Revelations, the very ending. And they're really the very first verses, and they're really some of the very last verses. And then we're going to talk about where we are in the middle. We're going to talk about this position where we're at right now. Okay? So if you want to grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis. First book in the Bible, turn to the first chapter. 
Chapter 1, we'll start in verse 26 through 31. And as we read this, I have a specific thing I'd like for you to focus on. These are verses about the Garden of Eden. And I want you to form a picture in your mind as to what the Garden of Eden is like. How beautiful it was. I want you to form a picture. I wanted you to have, close your eyes and picture it, but then you couldn't read your Bible. Doesn't make sense. So I want you to ponder it, and then I want you to think of what it would be like to be with God in the Garden of Eden. And then I want you also to think about, there's three things, think about what the relationship was like between God and Adam and Eve in the Garden. Starting chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every seed with every tree with seed in its fruit. <clears throat> you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heaven and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. It was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Skip down to chapter 2, verse number 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man who he informed, he, whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put them in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Then go over to chapter 3, verse 8. <clears throat> this is my favorite picture. This is after the sin. And in verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the evening day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So what picture do you have of the Garden of Eden? What do we get from this? He created man in his image. He created him. We are created in his image. I don't completely know what that means, but I know that we are different, and I know that we are a special creation of his. He gave us dominion over the earth. <clears throat> so there's a theory of evolution that man just evolved from other species. This is a sidebar. My background is in biology and science. That's my degree. 
There's a theory in evolution that says we just evolved. I want you to ponder if you have trouble with this. If evolution occurred the way it said to have, how come no other species is competing for dominion over the seas, over the fish of the... How come there has not been another species ever compete for dominion over his creation? How come there aren't other species that are competing and have competed? And the answer is clearly, we have been given dominion. No other species. It's God at work. Man tries to explain it. Man and God are dwelling together in the garden together. Adam and Eve walked and talked and dealt with God on a regular basis. If you notice when they, the Garden of Eden was such a wonderful place and he created it so special that God enjoyed walking through the garden in the cool of the evening. And you can tell that he recognized, they recognized that it was God and that he had to do this regularly. It was a special place. And they recognized who God was because they spent so much time together walking and talking. God was like our Heavenly Father at that time, and we were like His newly created special children. It was simple, and He was like our Father, and we were His children. There was no sin, no separation from God. We were together with him, completely at ease. It was a wonderful, peaceful place. Adam took care of it. He still worked, but there was no struggle. There were no thorns, no thistles, no weeds, no poison ivy, no mosquitoes. I think mosquitoes are from Satan. I think, it's, I think they're evil. And the little gnats that come when you get out in the woods and you know, those little gnats that come buzzing around your head, I don't think they were in the Garden of Eden. I don't think there was difficulty there. I don't think there was adversity there. I think it was at completely at ease and at peace, and we were with God. That's the beginning. That's our beginning with God. That's how we were created, who we are to be, and how we are to be. Now let's go to the end, the beginning to the end. Go to Revelation, chapter 20. Starting in verse 11. And as we read this, I would like for you to ponder and think about what it's like for believers and what it's going to be like for non-believers. I want you to try to imagine how wonderful eternity is going to be when we are living with God forever. Time is running on us in this earth. We're talking about an eternity that we have coming. Get a good picture of what it's going to be like as we read these verses. 
starting in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from the presence from the present earth and sky for the present from the present earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them and I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, behold, I am walking, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this inheritance, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came out of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Read those next verses sometime and it'll give you a picture, a detailed description as a man looks and sees what this looks like with human eyes. And with human eyes, we can't really even know and imagine it completely and accurately, but this is what a man reported what he saw. But skip down to verse 22 for our purposes. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon. It shines to shine on it, 
For the glory of God gives its, giveth light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And it lights its light will the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory to it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So what kind of picture do you get of our end? We've looked at the beginning. We've looked at our ending, if we're believers and non-believers. If you're a believer and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you will spend eternity with God here in this place, in this new heaven, new Jerusalem. If you're a non-believer, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will live eternally condemned into the fire and sulfur, into that pit. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. There will be no more pain, no more tears, no more struggle, no more death for eternity. And I can't even imagine a place like this. But there's a song that speaks to me. Sometimes people put words in a song and it just kind of, it says what you want to say and you can't say it. And there's one that says this. and says, I can only imagine... And you guys have heard this many times. It's been around for a long time. And, and you need to read the story as the, re- the reason it was written. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Are in awe of you, be still. I would sing this, but then you would guys get distracted and you would say, why is this guy singing? And I want you to get the message, okay? So I'm not going to sing. Will I stand in your presence to my knees? Will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Or will I be able to speak at all? When that day comes and I find myself standing before the sun, I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I don't know that we can even imagine accurately what it's going to be like. Because we're living in a world that is so different from where we will be. Right now, we're living in a world that is fallen. We're living in a world that is a dark place. We're living in a world that is suffering the consequences of the original sin. You remember when we were removed from the garden, there was 
curses put upon us because we sinned and we separated from God. One of them is pain at childbirth for women. And they multiplied your pain at childbirth, and I have watched that a few times, and it looks painful. You know, I think that promise is something we live with. And uh, it cursed is the ground is what our, our, one of our curses. And, and that means that whatever we do in life, we're going to have to struggle. If you guys think that you're going to get to a point where this life is ever going to get easy, it's not because of the curse. Then we're living in this world right now, the world we're living in, we're going to struggle. And don't get to the point where you think it's ever going to get easy and perfect. If you do everything right, you're still going to struggle because it's part of the curse. Part of the curse is thorns and thistles. Thorns cause pain. Thistles are weeds that come up and you have a hard time removing them. I've got a farm. I've got 80 acres. And I, whenever I bought it many years ago, 20 plus years ago, I had a goal of getting rid of all the thistles. I still have thistles. About as many as when I started. We're going to have them in life. It's part of the curse. It's part of the curse of this world and sin. There's something else that's happening in this world. Jesus said in John 14, 30, he says, I will no longer talk to you much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. Jesus himself called Satan the ruler of this world. Some versions say he's the prince of the power of the air. And if you look at some of the power that he has and he is exerting right now, and you look at prophecies, you have to ponder that a little bit. But he is the ruler of this world right now, and Satan is prowling like a lion. 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Satan is ruling over this world, causing as much damage and seeking as many souls as he can and causing as much confusion. In John 8, 44, you are the father, you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the, on the truth because there is no truth in him. He's talking about Satan. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Satan has many fallen angels or demons carrying out schemes and plots. This, this thing that we have in this world right now is not an accident. There's an organized, structured scheme to try to be successful with And in six, Ephesians 6, 11, it says, Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Second Thessalonians 2, 9. 
He's the counterfeit Christ. He will actually look good to the world. The coming of the lawless ones is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. I want you to look at the world that we have right now because of the curse, because of Satan working, because of all the deceit. Just think, look back, COVID, something we lived through. I never thought in my lifetime I would see this country to where there would be the possibility of one world order. And because of COVID, I saw even Christians living in fear. And fear so much, many look to the government to fix it. Fear so significant, they were looking for the government to save them. I'm all in favor of washing your hands, really. I'm all in favor of not getting anybody sick. But the fear that COVID showed is revealing a plan of Satan. Christians should wash their hands and not want to get anybody sick. But we should not ever live in fear because our eternal destiny is going to be so great. There's lies and deceit are prevalent and common. A person of integrity is a rarity and not even in this world esteemed. There's confusion about sexuality. Male and female, he created them. A special creation. We each are. We can't, shouldn't change what and how he has created us. There's attempts to destroy the family and attempts to change basic morality. They're trying to make the truth a lie and they're trying to turn and make their lies the truth. Do you see the world doing that? I'm amazed at how fast that has happened in our world, in my lifetime. I didn't think I would see the things that I'm seeing. I thought it would happen slowly. I'm talking about the beginning and the end and in the middle. I don't really think we're in the middle. I think we're living in the last days, and I have never been a doomsdayer, but I see what the Bible prophecy is saying, and I believe we're living in the last days. That's the reason I bring this message. It's time to turn it up a notch. But there's another thing that's in this world, and you guys tell me what the answer is. But before I get to that, so we... You got this picture, Satan's working, we're living under the curse, we're in this world. Is there no hope for us? Is there no hope? Because we as Christians and believers have almost gotten depressed and gotten beat down. Is there no hope? Where is our hope? In Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. If you all didn't answer that question, I was really going to get after you. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus came to fill the gap between God and man. 
after that sin. He, he came and he lived and he died, that perfect sacrifice, so that we can also live. He rose from the grave and conquered death just the same way we will. I got to say, in this dark time, I'm painting a pretty bleak picture. I believe we're blessed. We live in a blessed time in which, number one, we have this. Do you know the generations that didn't have this written? How many Bibles do I have in my house? How many Bibles do you have in your house? How often do we take advantage of the Word of God that we have? The problems that Christians have living in this dark world, this world that we are, is because we're focused on the world, not on the Word. Not on the Word and not on Christ who saves us. And not on Christ who is the Good Shepherd Christ is the perfect shepherd, and we are his sheep, and he's taking care of us through whatever we face and whatever we walk through. It doesn't mean we're not going to walk through things and have stuff in our life, but he's with us, and he's taking care of us. But when he left, he says, I'm going to send another to be with you. Here's another question I want you to answer. Who was Christ had to leave and another one had to come And who was that? The Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In Romans 8, 9 and 10, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. do not... Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? The Holy Spirit gives us power. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us. In John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Holy Spirit will, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Luke 12, 11 through 12, and when... They are bringing you before the synagogue and rulers and authorities. Be anxious about, do not be anxious about what you should, def, about how you should defend yourself or how you should say or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are to say. 
So whenever I get a chance to speak, I'm not to be nervous. I'm not to be anxious. The Holy Spirit will lead. When you are, have an opportunity to witness and share his gospel, don't worry about it. You should be in his word. You should know. But you should let the Holy Spirit speak and listen and react. He promises, the Holy Spirit promises a life like this, and do you want to live this kind of life? Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. My main points to remember through this is that many Christians are walking through life and missing a lot of vital truth and missing the ability to please God. There's two main things in this, these messages that I have known. I've been in church since I was born. I'm a preacher's kid. Drugged to every service that there was. Saved around seven. My wife remembers the exact day. Jerry remembers April 8th, 1980. I remember where I was, about how age. I know when it was. Remember the conversations I had. I was about seven. And that is when I accepted the Lord. Didn't understand a lot. But there was a time period in there when I whiffed on a lot of things. And I did much of my life whiffing on much. And I convinced that many Christians do the same thing that I did. In the beginning, we walked with God and we talked with God, and that's what we were created for. He loves us. We loved Him. He enjoyed us. We're created for a purpose and designed in His image in a special and unique way. Many of us today are going through the motions of life. Many of us today are going through church. We're attending church and going through the motions. The thing that I missed and whiffed on is I didn't love God in the way that I should. It says we are to. I knew who God was. But I didn't develop a love relationship with him. I whiffed. I knew I should. I knew I kind of did. I knew who God was. I knew what God did for me, and I accepted that. But how do you develop a love relationship? You spend time with people. You get to know them. You excuse their imperfections, although God has no imperfections. But I whiffed on loving God. So I developed a discipline of getting into his word, of praying to him, and not just praying upwardly, but also praying to hear and listen. He answers us. I have yet to hear an audible voice. He can if he decides to. But he does answer in situations and he answers later on when I'm not looking for it, going down the road at a different time. 
He's wanting not only for us to pray to him, but he's wanting us to listen to his answers. He wants us to put it into action. Without loving God, I was missing the whole point. I was just like the Pharisees, going through the motion, looking at the word, but I was missing the point. And if you don't have a love for God, and if your heart is not breaking for those people who don't have this same relationship, you're missing the point. You're like the Pharisees. In the end, we will be with God forever in perfection, something we can't even fathom. Perfection. We will be with him in glory and power The end will be the culmination of God's desires completely. And we will be with him in that. And we'll be with him forever. We've got to keep our minds on what the end prize and our end result is going to be. And we're strangers in this world. Because of where we're going, because we have accepted Jesus as our Savior... Our end is going to be great. That's our home. This place we're strangers in right now. This is not our home. What we had in the beginning and what we have at the end is possible to have now with the indwelling Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait for that relationship. We can have the relationship with God, the power, the awe, the comfort that he provides, the understanding, because God, if you're a believer, God dwells in us right now. And many of us are missing this. Because we're not spending time in his word, taking time in prayer, listening and watching for answers and putting what he leads us to do into action. This is the second thing that I whiffed on. I was going through the motions. Mechanically going through the motions in obedience to God. I could see exactly how the Holy Spirit was leading all those other people, you guys. And all the things that you could do If you gave your life wholly to him. I know me. I had doubts that I had any abilities to be used of God. I had to accept that I am a creation of God. And he's got me a certain way. He has developed me and created me and shaped me and molded me for a certain way to be used of God. I had to accept that, that the Holy Spirit can lead in me as well as he can work in you. And whenever I accepted that, I could grab a hold of what he has for me. And I can't let it go. I've got to do it. I've got to put it into action. In the beginning, in the end, we dwelled with God and we will be dwelling with God forever in the end. But right now, isn't this special? God dwells in us. He walks with us. He talks with us if we're listening. Right now, God is in us.
If you don't know Christ, it is hopeless. It's a dark world. And this is as good as it gets. This world is your peak. And I'm just telling you, it's not, don't put off another second, another minute to look at our Lord and Savior and accept Him. It's not worth it. Eternity in agony or eternity in the presence of God. We're living in a wonderful time. You can see him working because prophecies have been fulfilled and prophecies have a few still yet to be fulfilled. But he's also given us much and he's expecting much from us. We're not to be sitting on things. We're supposed to put things into action. It's not a time to fear and step back in fear. It's a time for us to be bold because time's running out for all those people that are around you. Time is running out. I'm convinced we're close to the end days. It's time for a revival in the church and in our world, in this dark world. It's time for us to start proclaiming his light, and his truth with more boldness than we have ever proclaimed it because time is so near. And the darker the world gets, the more we should be proclaiming our light and shining our light in a bold way. And the more difficulty we will have doing that. The more resistance we will have doing that. So don't expect it to be easy. So this morning, examine your walk. Where are you at in your walk? Do, are you, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you have a, are you going through the motions? Do you know Him, first of all? But then also, are you walking through church life and church things, looking like a Christian, looking like a believer, but not really understanding what I'm talking about whenever I'm talking about this Holy Spirit that indwells you and the Son of God taking care of you. Do you know what I'm talking about when it talks about loving God and that should be the center of everything that you do? If you love God, everything He's asked you to do kind of makes sense and kind of falls in line. It all makes sense. It's all, it helps you set priorities in how you put this into action. But if your love for God is cold, you're going through the motions. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you if you're a believer. Listen, watch, be obedient. Get into His Word and let His Word speak to you. But Satan wants to confuse you. Satan wants to battle against you. Satan wants to tell you lies and twist the truth. And you have to be aware that he's at work. Examine your walk, your life. If you don't know him, let's talk about it. 
If you want to know him better, let's talk about how to do that. Amen? Let's talk. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for the time to get together and to be together. I pray that you will bless this message. Lord, get, let, help us to get from it what you need us to get. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And speak to us this week in a special and powerful way. Help us to hear you, speak to you, dwell with you, walk with you. You be our God, and we are your children. In Jesus' name, amen.